Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We are once again looking at a conference message that was given by Dallin H. Oaks. At the time he gave this, he is first counselor in the first presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That would be one of the top three leaders within the church, a very important position. His message in that conference was Kingdoms of Glory, and this was in October of 2023. You can find the transcript in the November 2023 edition of the Leahona Magazine, and it begins on page 26. In LDS Theology, which of course teaches that all humankind are the literal children of God, that all these children of God have a sacred privilege of qualifying for the highest degree of glory in the celestial kingdom. Now, Eric, you read this passage yesterday, and in that it says exaltation in the celestial kingdom is the focus of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Wouldn't you say, Eric, that most Latter-day Saints that we have talked to are hoping to enter the celestial kingdom and be exalted as it's understood in LDS theology. Well, I think so. And he points out that this unique doctrine, which of course is not a biblical doctrine, and practice of the restored church is the revealed commandments and covenants. That is the key that most Latter-day Saints know. They understand D&C section 1 that talks about how you have to keep all the commandments. They understand what their church has been teaching. So I think they know what they're supposed to do. The question is, are they capable of doing it? Well, I think, too, that Dallin Oaks is going to be referring to Doctrine and Covenants section 8822, which reads, For he who is not able to abide the law of a celestial kingdom cannot abide a celestial glory. I was mentioning how most Latter-day Saints that we talk to are hoping to enter the celestial kingdom. But yet, how many have we talked to when we asked them if they were to die right now, would they qualify for the best that their religion has to offer? Which, of course, what we're meaning by that, it would be exaltation in the celestial kingdom. We have had Latter-day Saints admit to us that they do not qualify for the celestial kingdom. What does that mean to us? It means that they are not keeping the law during this mortality that would warrant them entrance into the celestial kingdom after judgment. In other words, they are not keeping celestial law. But Bill, so many of them talk about their good motives. They are trying. They are doing their best. How do you respond to somebody who has the intention to do it, but just doesn't feel like they're able to do it? Well, I think even Dallin Oaks is going to show in this conference message that that's not good enough, that if you desire something, you better accomplish it. It's not just a desire or a wanting or a longing to end up in a certain place after you die. You are required, according to the teachings of the LDS Church, to live the law that will 
allow you to be properly placed in that kingdom in the next life. And we're going to prove that from some statements that we're going to read. First of all, we're going to start with third president John Taylor. And this is a quote that he gave on February 20th, 1884, can be found in the Journal of Discourses, volume 26, page 350. He said, again, we ask, what is the celestial law? The celestial law above referred to is absolute submission and obedience to the law of God. Absolute submission and obedience to the law of God. Ask your LDS friend, are you doing that? Are you really giving an absolute submission and obedience to the law of God? And if they say yes, you can simply ask them, well, does that mean that you no longer need to repent? And they'll say, well, yeah, I repent all the time. And you can respond by asking, well, why are you repenting? Because if you are in an absolute submission and obedient to the law of God, you would have no need to repent. Repentance is kind of like the backup plan when we screw up. And it's the same with Latter-day Saints. They screw up, and then they get to repent. The problem, of course, in Mormonism, repentance, true repentance, you can only do that one time with a sin. Because if you were to sin that same sin again, it shows that you never really repented in the first place. So their definition of repentance would not be similar to the definition of repentance as New Testament Christians would understand it. Well, then we have Wilford Woodruff, who was the fourth president of the church. He said in the Discourses of Wilford Woodruff, pages 268 and 269, we are now upon our second estate, and our eternal destiny depends upon the few years we spend in the flesh. We are placed here that it may be seen which law we will keep. Our Heavenly Father has placed before us the laws celestial, telestial, and terrestrial. If any man will obey the celestial law, he will be preserved by that law. All the glory, power, and exaltation belonging to that law will be given to him. So you see, it's very conditional, according to Wilford Woodruff. There are three types of laws that we are allowed to follow, celestial, telestial, and terrestrial. If you keep a celestial law, you go to the celestial kingdom. If you keep telestial law, you go to the telestial kingdom. If you keep terrestrial law, you go to the terrestrial kingdom. But then Wilford Woodruff said this on July 29, 1889, and this can be found in the Latter-day Saints Millennial Star, volume 51, page 596. If you and I ever get into the celestial kingdom, we have got to keep the law of that kingdom. Show me the law that a man keeps, and I will tell you where he is going. I think Woodruff is absolutely correct within the context of Mormonism when he says, show me the law that a man keeps and I will tell you where he is going. I know he's telling the truth there because I've used that kind of a tactic with Latter-day Saints when I'm talking to them one-on-one. I will ask them, for instance, are you keeping celestial law? Have you repented of all your sins and do you keep all of the commandments? An honest Latter-day Saint will tell me, No, I'm trying, but I don't do that. Well, notice, you don't find Wilford Woodruff putting the clause in there, if you try. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm going to show you where a man is going by the law that he is actually keeping. So if I'm talking to a Latter-day Saint, and I can demonstrate to them that they are not keeping celestial law, well, then there's only two other choices. You're either keeping terrestrial law or telestial law. And I would argue that based on how LDS leaders have described who's in various kingdoms, 
that most Latter-day Saints are probably keeping terrestrial law. But what's interesting about that is when they explain themselves keeping a terrestrial law, it sounds like what I'm doing as a non-believer in Mormonism. And I've had Latter-day Saints tell me, well, you'll probably end up in the terrestrial kingdom as well. So my response to that is, if that's the case, why should I become a member of the LDS Church? It seems like you're going to the same place I'm going, but yet I can rest and rejoice in the gospel of grace as it's told in the New Testament, but yet you're still being hounded by the teachings of your leaders, ever wondering if you're doing good enough. I don't have that burden because I know I'm not doing good enough, but my position in the next life is not based on my personal performance because my belief is in the performance of Jesus himself. Therefore, I can rest in my faith. And when you understand what celestial law is and what it requires, I think we can understand why most Latter-day Saints believe they're not keeping it. Uh, Orson Whitney was an apostle of the church in General Conference, October 1910, page 53 of the conference reports, said, and what is celestial law? It does not mean any one thing. It means all things. It is the fullness of obedience. It is living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If today you are keeping those commandments that are now in force, you are living a celestial law, and your chances are good for celestial glory. If that's what celestial law is, Eric, how many Latter-day Saints do you think really are going to end up in the celestial kingdom. I don't even think Dallin Oaks is going to be there. See, this is what's interesting about these leaders, and this is why we've often compared them to as being modern-day Pharisees. They put conditions on the people that they themselves don't even live up to. Jesus talked about this. I think Dallin Oaks falls right into that category. Do you really think for a minute that Dallin Oaks is doing what these leaders that preceded him, such as John Taylor or Wilford Woodruff or even Orson Whitney, or even what the Doctrine and Covenant says in Section 88, do you really think Dallin Oaks is doing this? Uh, one other quote I want to give you, Bill, is 10th President Joseph Fielding Smith, and this is also in conference reports. This is uh, something that is supposed to have been vetted. April 1948, page 136, he says, the question is frequently asked, can we not be saved without going through all these ordinances, etc.? I would answer, no, not the measure of salvation. Jesus said, there are many mansions in my Father's house, and I will go and prepare a place for you. House here named should have been translated kingdom, and any person who is exalted to the highest mansion has to abide a celestial law and the whole law too. And the whole law too. Do you really think Dallin H. Oaks is keeping all of the commandments, the fullness of obedience, strictly doing everything he's been asked to do? But let's just say that the general authorities at General Conference, when they walk up there, act as if they are. I think most people who are looking up at them, stand up when they come into the conference center, realize in their hearts, those men are doing what I'm trying to do. But in the hearts of these leaders, I'm sure they know they're not doing what they're supposed to. And furthermore, you notice also that rarely do you ever hear the speakers in General Conference, the general authorities talk about their shortcomings. When we go to our churches on Sunday, it's not uncommon to hear our pastors talk about their 
shortcomings about their fallenness. Why? Because they are recognizing they are in the same boat as we all are in. We are all fallen human beings. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. I can't recall ever hearing someone like a Dallin Oaks or a Joseph Fielding Smith getting up and admitting to the crowd that they are fallen and that they are continually having to repent because they cannot keep the commandments continually. They do not obey them at all times. They can't say that because once they've said that, they've proven that they're not celestial material. Now, before we end the show, I want to go back to that passage out of John 14. What did Joseph Fielding Smith say about the word house that is in John 14 too? He said house here named should have been translated kingdom. If that's the case, then how come Joseph Smith didn't get the message? Because in the Joseph Smith translation in John 14 too, it says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So you see here, we have the 10th president of the church saying that that word house should be translated a different way. And I'll guarantee you, you can look at any Greek manuscript you want. I don't think you're going to find any manuscript where it says that the word house should be translated kingdom. That is something that the LDS church has inserted in order to make one of Joseph Smith's false teachings sound more palatable. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.